everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good. I like recording these intros after we do the interview because we can just tell you what we talked about and it just really flows nicely. We recorded with my old uh, co-worker, Chris Ely. He's now starting his own venture called wisp.money. Um, Chris is the freaking best. We talk about a bunch of stuff, mostly his company, and then kind of going into the the wild crypto sphere. David kind of geeked out about Ethereum. David, you want to kind of talk about the chat? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wisp Money is a remittance slash payroll platform. Uh, so Chris has a pretty cool perspective as to the complexities of onboarding people. Uh, it's kind of it's a platform directed at onboarding non-crypto peoples just so they can save a whole bunch of money to pay contractors that are abroad. Uh, and so it's exclusively for you know cross cross-border payroll. Uh, companies uh and so that that brings some some unique perspectives so he talks about what it's like to onboard non-crypto people and using dai as a currency dai is the the uh stable coin of choice for the whisper.money platform uh so you can go check it out at demo.whisper.money was that the url wisp, you'll find wisp. wisp god damn it wisp.money baby wisp.money uh, yeah, so Chris is, he's, he's one of those guys that's pulling a company up by its bootstraps in the middle of a bear market, and he's, his company brings a bunch of new people into the space, so you just got to give him a big round of applause. Uh, Chris was at East Denver, and so was I. Unfortunately, our paths did not meet, uh, but we got to talk here. Uh, so we, after we are done talking about the Wisp uh, platform that he's building, we start to talk a little bit about Ethereum, we talk about DeFi. We talk about the current funding uh, topics that are going around in the Twitter sphere. And yeah, that's that's when I geek out about Ethereum. So stay tuned for that. Don't worry, Bitcoiners. I didn't make it easy for them. So. Christian and I have gotten a little hey, uh, nippy no on Twitter ado, lately. So Chris we're definitely going to have a classic Ethereum versus Bitcoin debate just to get it out of our systems. Um, so stay tuned for that one as well. Yo, speaking of Twitter, someone uh, was inspired by our episode with Brandon Quidham, and they freaking made a t-shirt that said, let out the alpha wolf or something like that. Um, no, Bitcoin, the apex predator of money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The apex predator of money. Um, so yeah, cool. it's going to go obsolete when Ethereum takes it over in market cap, though. So <laughs> get it, wear it now. So you wear it out. <laughs> hey, I bought one, baby. I bought the hoodie. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Chris, here we go. All right, everyone. I want to introduce you to one of my good friends and sadly, a former co-worker. This is my homie, Chris Ely. Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, do you want a full intro right now of myself or what would you like? Yeah, sure. Chris. Tell yeah, me. hit us with it. Bro. Okay. Um, so Who are you? What do you do? Uh, I, As Christian just said, I formerly was a BTC Media, the owners of Bitcoin Magazine, and soon to be the Bitcoin 2019 conference. Super hyped for that. Uh, what? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was with them for almost two years uh, in the... Actually, I did three roles. So I did... I was an intern, which just means you do everything. Uh, then I did front-end development, and then I uh, went over to sales and biz dev, where I kind of found my, my groove. Uh, before that, I have a fun like little background of doing uh, chemistry and nuclear engineering at uh, University of Tennessee and a little school in South Carolina, and uh, just been enjoying the crypto uh, moments here for the past two and a half, almost three years now, so it's been a really fun ride. 
What was your crypto catalyst? How'd you get into the space? Uh, you know, in school, I was in a supply chain class, uh, not related to, to nuclear engineering or chemistry, just taken out of, out of uh, my de like department course. And uh, they mentioned Bitcoin in 2016, end of 2016, uh, uh, sometime around then. And um, I was like, what is this? And they're like, it's gonna revolutionize, revolutionize supply chain. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I wanna be on the front and cutting edge of it. At the time I was doing AI stuff and just kind of like trying to figure out tech and uh, went down a deep dive, 48 hours of it and uh, ended up sending, Googling uh, crypto companies in the South and at the time I was at UT and uh, BTC Media is based in Nashville, only crypto company that popped up at the time and uh, sent an email out to the CTO, Tyler, uh, got a response the next day, had an interview like within the next week or whatever, and uh, got to be an intern that summer. So, yeah. yeah Taking the good. initiative. Nice job. Yeah, man. It was fun. It was fun. That what was a fun was the time. Uh, job for? Uh, that, that was the, I just asked if I could intern uh, during the summer. You have to do it for uh, the, the program I was in. And uh, I kind of like, out of that program, uh, lost my funding <laughs> for my last semester and uh, was in the crypto lifestyle. Um, so yeah. <laughs> in true crypto fashion, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was the, uh, the stuff. Pretty much we, we took a rocket scientist and we made him into a crypto media salesperson. Bitcoin definitely aligns incentives, right? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Screw STEM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, though, I'm uh, started a new project, and that's why I left BTC, uh, working with Concourse Q, Open Community, and a couple other guys here in Nashville, Tennessee, to make a uh, payroll application for the remote workers, um, specifically international remote workers. So, yeah. Oh, go go tell us more about that. How does that work? Yeah, what's it called? Uh, yeah, so it's called wisp.money. Uh, if you go to demo.wisp.money, uh, it, you can use the live MVP right now. You can send uh, die payments to and fro to your employees uh, or friends, uh, which I've been doing for the past few days now. Uh, really, really cool. And um, we've, we're starting to work with a couple companies um, it, outside the crypto space now to really help them save a lot of money sending international payments um, for various uh, services and employees. So how does it save money? So that's a long question, but that's a good question. Um, a lot of times, uh, and most of the people that are listening to podcasts should know that the banking system is uh, innately flawed for uh, international payments, really. Um, there's a, a fee to just send a wire um, from, like, we'll just use an example, U.S. to the U.K. Uh, there's a fee on the U.S. side to send the, the wire. There's an exchange fee. Then there's banking fees that are attached on there. Depending on uh, what level of money the person has in their bank account can dictate how much the fee is as well. And it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, it's not fun for tax purposes. Um, and it's really what crypto was essentially made for. Uh, even before, like we use a lot of stable coins in most of what we're doing, but even before Bitcoin's initial, um, one of the initial reasons it was created was to be able to move funds more efficiently than the common, like the methods that were at the time. And we're trying to leverage that uh, more right now in general, so. so Tell us a little bit about, it's a international payroll, so it's remittances, so it's paying, who's paying who, and what what savings are made um, by doing so. The in US, mainly we're working with US-based companies that are paying uh, workers that are in various parts of Europe, um, South America, and soon hopefully to be Africa. Um, we uh, essentially created a platform that allows you to, uh, 
have a Fiat on-ramp, uh, which will be integrating in the next week. We just finished our, uh, our deal with Wire, which is really cool. And then, uh, so you can buy your Fiat, buy your crypto. Uh, we allow you on the platform to onboard your, your workers uh, with an email. They then receive uh, their crypto payments, whatever the allocated amount is. You guys will set that up. The company will set that up. Uh, on the platform, and then it gets sent out. We record, automate all the record keeping uh, for tax purposes, which is one of the biggest issues that most people have with why they don't want to use crypto for um, for their uh, payment or payroll. Um, even at BTC, actually, I don't know if Christian has ever mentioned this. Uh, I, I many of the, the people that were employed by uh, BTC Media. Uh, asked to get paid in some form of crypto, whether it be Bitcoin or Ethereum, and we were uh, politely uh, denied um, while at our, our time there. And the biggest reason was they didn't have a, a good mechanism to track and manage all of the payments uh, outside of an Excel spreadsheet, which they weren't going to do for over 10, 15 people that wanted this to happen. And so we're really making that easy, uh, easier for everyone to do. So uh, additionally, the platform's non-custodial. We're, we're representing the DeFi moment right there. Um, we have no, we don't have any ownership over any of the funds. Uh, we are uh, just really the building the pipe. So connecting all the different moving pieces and parts to make it easier for the value to move from point A to point B cheaper and more efficiently. Uh, I think it's like uh, the example I did today, I had a call with someone today. Uh, they're paying probably, Two, they're paying two, two to three thousand, depending on the month, uh, just depending on how many hours are for each contractor, in, in uh, fees uh, via the contractors. Um, we are reducing that down from two thousand uh, to a thousand dollars for them to move money from point A to point B. It's really, really cool. Um, they have a, actually a lot of developers uh, in the UK area, which is a really, really easy market to, to offboard for them too. So it's a really, really cool moment there. So what's like the experience like for the businesses using this? Is it like they have an account with you guys, they have dollars in their bank account, and then they want to send money to someone in the UK, and essentially you use DAI in order to facilitate the payment to the other end and then transfer it out into pounds if they're in the UK? Yeah, so uh, let's, I'll go through onboarding uh, mechanisms. So they would say, okay, um, Christians, uh, what do you want to, what do you want to sell Christian? What do you want to sell? Scams. I'm, I'm selling magazines, baby. You, Bitcoin magazines. Okay. There you go. Christian, Christian is a magazine distributor. He has a uh, online magazine distributor. He has six developers in the UK that he wants to pay. Uh, he says, oh man, I'm paying like $5,000 on uh, exchange uh, on wire fees and exchange fees for these, these, uh, developers out there. I want to, there's gotta be a cheaper way. I say, okay, that's, yes, you're correct. Um, if you want to, we can do this, uh, through the platform. We, uh, will, will show you what the cost savings is prior to you actually sending any money to us. They say, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Uh, how do I do it? I say, okay, cool. We're going to need a couple documents from them, uh, to verify they're real people, not trying to money launder. Uh, they get hooked up with wire or if they bring their own, uh, crypto to the table, um, they can use the platform for free. Um, and then they say, okay, I need to pay Christian. I need to pay David. I need to pay Chris. I need to pay Scott. And I need to pay, uh, Bob, uh, a hundred, a hundred dollars, um, uh, to tomorrow. And we're like, okay, cool. You have your die, you have your, uh, their addresses. They send it, you send it to them. It happens instantaneously in the sense of like five minutes, it's done like a normal crypto transaction. Uh, they on their screen on the platform will see a record of the transaction when it occurred, what addresses it went to, who it went to, and any notes they want to add to it, like what the payments are for. Um, and they can export that off the, 
off the platform to put into their accounting services like Xero or um, NetSuite or uh, I can't think of any other off the top of my head. But uh, then their workers sees at that the moment they send it, they're like, I got my 100 DAI, which I, is like 100 US dollars essentially for them. Um, since it's a stable coin, they say, I, oh, I can offboard that on Kraken or Gemini or um, Coinbase, or even you can, you, do, you can use Wired with the W-Y-R-E uh, to do it in the UK as well. And I think it's a little cheaper to do that. Um, and then they say, oh, wow, I kept more of my money in my pocket. I'm really happy right now with what's going on. And really the onus is on the company wanting to save money rather than the worker uh, understanding, like having to do this, but it saves both sides a lot of money. Uh, on, in the fees. Uh, so you're, you're basically just leaving the contractors with die, right? And then they get to do whatever they see fit with it, um, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the, the cool thing about it. Um, we're a lot of the people we're working with. Uh, they they need help and education on what happens when the worker gets their crypto, specifically usually die, um, as soon to be other stable coins. But uh, that's the fun part of it all. That's what really like gets me hyped about it because we're bringing essentially people that wouldn't be crypto people or are tangential to crypto into the space in some capacity. Even if they don't stay, they are now more knowledgeable about what's happening and understand this is a real use case to them and helping them right there. Um, Cause I, like, just like the, I'm making documents right now of just like, what is, uh, uh, how do you go make a Kragen account? How do you go do the exchange from point A to point B for all these people? And Kragen is good. Uh, Coinbase has good documentation, but it's just like nice to have that moment of like, here's an extra like layer of, of uh, hospitality, as I'll call it, to, to get them from point A to point B. And then all the other things they can do on these exchanges or within the space and like saying, oh, do you want to use compound finance to uh, earn interest because you may not need that money right now, but you may need it later. Or you want to use Dharma, Dharma's a little, little complex right now, but Dharma eventually. Um, uh, and, and just the various things you can use in the space in general. So that's the really cool part of educating uh, the community or the outside community. So I'm curious about your, the, user experience that you've experienced from your customers with receiving die and it sounds like your uh the people the contractors of whisper of, of who are receiving die from um from you know payroll from companies uh what that's like for them as a a new user and so i'm kind of, i'm about to be running into this problem right because uh, i am uh, about to launch this uh, platform called realty where we are selling tokenized houses uh, and we are paying rent in Dai, so we're kind of doing something that you, that you're doing, where we're allowing people in all, all across the world to purchase these homes, and then their rent gets paid to them uh, daily in Dai. Um, and so, you know, we're it's probably going to be easily marketable towards the crypto community, but we're also going after the non-crypto community, which means. And DAI isn't really the most intuitive stablecoin for a non-crypto person. Like you have to explain a lot more to for them to understand why it's a dollar. Um, and it also doesn't go straight to your bank account, right? Because it's not, you know, it's not CircleCoin, which is actually a dollar backed, which you are then owed a dollar. It's something else. And so we have to integrate with Wire or we have to guide them to some sort of exchange that will allow them to swap for dollars. Uh, so how has that process been for you? Like how easy has it been for people to exchange die for money and get it pulled out to them in the real world? Uh, so right now it's been pretty easy. I don't think it's gonna continue that way uh, and not in a bad way, but so majority of our first uh, customers slash first users of the platform we've been working with for the past two months are all either crypto native or crypto adjacent or crypto like hype men. 
Um, there's, uh, there's two companies in particular I'm thinking about that have, they're not crypto companies, they have nothing to do with crypto, but they are, are, are tech people, so they understand what's going on. Um, it is the, there's some of their workers, like an HR rep or a uh, writer who, who has nothing to do with crypto. Uh, those people are really interested in learning more because they've heard so much about it in, in passing, if that makes any sense. So there's been like the, the there's a desire to learn, um, but it is a daunting task and it's been an uphill battle for some of the uh, people that are not tech uh, savvy to, to understand what's happening. And it's literally, there's like moments that I'm probably gonna have very soon where I'm gonna be on a, a Skype call, just like we are, or a Zoom call or whatever, uh, like we are on right now. And I'm gonna have to walk them through like, click this button, click that button, et cetera, uh, for the first few times. But that's part of what happens. Like we're, 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 still, we're still in a grassroots mode in crypto and building a community. And it's really, 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 can I cuss? Is that allowed? Yep, I'm sorry. that's allowed. Okay, really fucking hard to build a community um, uh, in any capacity, uh, whether it be in crypto or in anything else. It's one of the things that if you're able to do it really well, uh, you can, you, you're seeing it outside of, uh, outside of the, just the, the tech space. If you're able to build a community really well, you're able to monetize that or at least create something that is uh, impactful to others. And that's hard to do net overall. Chris, that was fantastic, and you you can feel your passion for this, so uh, it's for real. And I have to thank you. Like going out and being an entrepreneur is like one of the scariest things that you can do, especially like as a young dude in this crazy world, um, especially when you have like you know a pretty cush job. Uh, so, <laughs> yo, you, you guys are the ones who make the world go around people who are like going out there and putting skin in the game and, and, you know, making innovative things happen and onboarding, hopefully a lot of people into cryptocurrency. Um, as a Bitcoiner, I see, you know, people taking die as, you know, a couple more steps away from them discovering sound money in Bitcoin, uh, which is very exciting <laughs> for me for sure. <laughs> Okay, Maxilis. Actually, I have a quick question for David though um, about your endeavor you're about to you're about to start on. Um, you saw the the Trav, uh, Travala just started accepting die. Is that your? I don't, I want to understand more of what you're how you're paying out every day or like are you mm -hmm. accepting die for rent or are you paying out die for the rent? I'm confused on that. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So uh, the tenants of the realty properties don't they aren't impacted whatsoever. They have they they might know that it's a realty property because they might have heard it through word of mouth, but really they're just living in a house that's managed by a property management company. Okay, it's the property management company that takes their dollars for rent swaps it for DAI, um, puts that on the blockchain and sends it to the real token. Uh, the, so we're called realty, right? And then the yeah. tokens are called real tokens. And so every house has their, its own set of real tokens. And then they send them out to the real token owners pro rata. Uh, okay. And then the real token owner, owner, owners find DAI in their Ethereum wallet uh, because we pay it out every single day, right? So what happens is that they, once a month, a bunch of DAI goes into a smart contract and the smart contract spits out one one thirtieth of what's inside of it to the token holders. So, so that's how we advertise like, hey, we're paying you every single day. So that's kind of cool. Um, May I ask? I'm sorry to cut you off real quick. Go for it. Why? So my head, I'm like, that's really cool use case. Like that's a really cool mm -hmm. usage of the tech. But why do the the one third every or one thirtieth every day if you already have the lump sum? Uh, because well, rent can change, right? And so if if the rent was one thousand dollars a month. Uh, uh -huh. and, and the contract is built for that, but then the rent goes up to uh, uh, 1100 a month or goes down, like we would have to update the contract. And so just by uh, spitting out 1 130th, it makes it a little bit simpler. Okay. Um, and it's way easier to code. 
Interesting. Oh, okay. That's, that's always the way easier code is. That's a big one. <laughs> that's a big one. Um, no, it, just, it was interesting. The payout thing about daily payouts has been a big hot topic for uh, probably, probably since the new year, at least. I don't know how long, but since the 2019 started, it's like, oh, pay by the hour, pay by the, the day, pay by whatever. Uh, it, 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 so in, in tech, it's easy to do. Like the tech part is easy to do, but in actuality, like we've, played around with thinking about doing that for companies or like company like like had adding that feature it um it just becomes very difficult from a cash flow perspective to make that happen on a daily payout if you don't like for startups or middle companies they don't already have all their money in, in place so i was just curious about why it matters for you also it doesn't usually matter for most people to get paid every day um so i want to actually go back yeah. to your platform because i have two questions about about whisper um one of them is about taxes and so does using a stable coin make taxes easier because then it's not volatile and does that solve kind of the tax problems and also how does taxes work internationally so like if if a u.s company is paying a european like they pay taxes to the government correct or is it more or less uh yeah so most so we do not work with any w-2 employees currently we have to have some more license we have to have licenses we don't have any right now we have to have licenses for that moment uh so everyone we're working with is a 1099 employee meaning you're a contractor or a freelancer or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, so the tax perspective, using a stable coin essentially deletes the issue of, of any taxes. Uh, and if there is any, like die, actually there might be some with uh, potential fluctuation of the price. It's, it fluctuates enough that you can have, they can make an argument for it. But like capital um, gains tax? Like capital gains or capital losses. Just depend, it's like very slight. It's like very, very upset. small. Yeah, very, very small. Um, but you, you can still also make the argument that it's supposed to be stable to $1 and like that's what you're going to say it is. Um, so that part is pretty easy. It's when you do like, com like this is further down, like our MVP does not have all this built in, but we have on the, the roadmap to build out a, uh, the ability to pay in a stable coin. So we're gonna keep using DAI. DAI and ETH or DAI and some other token you wanna get paid out, which will have capital gains uh, possibilities on it or losses. Um, and at that point, we're starting to work with various accountants to like figure out how to effectively show what your potential taxes should be because we're not gonna be the person who says it's gonna be that. You still see accountant, still use TurboTax, use all whatever you need to use. But the, the ideology of like what it should be roughly around um, from the US side, the company side of the perspective of it. And then when you look at the uh, internet, the worker side, they have the tax onus on them anyways. So they handle all their taxes. There's a really cool, interesting moment happening in Austria uh, where you can receive your money in crypto and until you bring it into fiat, you're not taxed on it. Uh, so say uh, you, you're getting paid enough money that you don't want to bring all your money into fiat, uh, the Austrian dollar. I don't know what it's called off the top of my head. Um, you know, you, you don't get taxed on that. It, so you won't get taxed on your full income until you bring it into the, the Austrian dollar moment. Um, so like there's a guy who's like, I, only, I, get, I don't know how much money he gets paid, but he gets paid, we'll say $50,000. He's like, I only need 25K for the year and I'm just gonna let that grow in crypto and, and he'll deal with it later kind of things happen. So that's on them. Uh, but there's a lot of cool things you can do from a, a deferring taxes perspective. Uh, this is also not legal uh, or financial advice. I need to say that. Should have said that at the beginning. So yes. <laughs> so what actually is Whisper what, as a product? So like if I pay you money, what do I get? Is it just a infrastructure of smart contracts or is it something in addition to that? Like what is, money? what is the product? So, how do I make money? And it's Wisp, Excuse not me, Whisper, Wisp. but it's all right. It's cool. It, it's also, it's, it's kind of a tongue twister, but it's supposed to, anyways, I'll tell you about the, 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 our, why we named it that later. But uh, how do we make money? So we, um, 
if you have crypto, we will most likely not make money off of you uh, because you're going to be able to use the platform for free. Uh, if you if you have your DAI, your ETH, your uh, whatever coin you want to use and send and pay people who, who want to accept that as payment, uh, go ahead. You can do it. You can use it today for free. Um, thank you. Uh, the, P, the way we actually make money is, you said thank you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the way we actually make money is off of the fiat on-ramping. Oh, okay. uh, so, so as I said before at the beginning, we're, we're like built, taking all the infrastructure pieces that you have mentioned uh, throughout this conversation and bringing them into one place where it's easy for you to just connect with the wires or the Coinbase's or the uh, Gemini's or um, there's some OTC desks or whatever you're, you're kind of wanting to work with there. Uh, and then bringing them on, bringing them off, however that may be, uh, to back to the fiat, as well as uh, working with the, the tangential services that are all working now and then the ones that are going to be starting to work later in 2019, 2020, and so on and so forth, to really kind of create an ecosystem. Uh, I don't think we want to be the decentralized bank per se, but we definitely want to be able to connect everyone to these things. Um, and that's really the goal of what we're doing right now. And how we make money. That's the goal of how we make money. A, you're bringing newbies onto the blockchain slash into crypto. So got to commend you for that. that. I guess that goes back to what Christian was talk, talking about at the very beginning. But also, okay, so like say I do have an employee and uh, I need to pay him in crypto. How do, how do I use your free product? What, what does that look like? So you would uh, go make an account. Uh, you'd go to demo. Like I said at the beginning, demo.wisp, uh, W-H-I-S-P dot money. Um, and you would pop up on our, our login screen. Uh, you'd make a, for, since you're the company trying to pay someone, you'd, you'd make a company account with an email and a password, and you'd verify it with uh, your MetaMask to say, hey, I wanna use this address to send the money. Um, and you'd say, hey, Christian, what's your email? You get Christian's email, he'd give you a, in that email, he'd get a, he'd get a, a we'd send him an email and ask for his, his ETH address he wants the money to go to, and that's that, and you say, I wanna pay Christian $100, on the platform and it happens. It just, uh, and you have $100, we have to verify you have $100 of die in your, your wallet and it goes send, amazing, uh, at that point. And it's really like, it takes maybe five minutes to, to do the whole transaction. And that's like on the long end of things. And does, does the recipient have an account with you guys too? Yeah, so they make an account. Um, uh, they, they have to make an account or we have to either verify their address or they have to make an account with us uh, on the onset of it. Um, right, so that's so, KYC both sides. Yeah, so it's email KYC. There's oh, no okay. like we're not going to ask for your ID or anything. Uh, the company will need KYC uh, going forward. Once you get over five employees, we have, we're going to we have to ask for KYC stuff. Okay. But there, right now, the MVP does not have full fully KYC. Uh, it's just the, essentially helping people track their their payments right now. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's it's pretty um, like. When I'm talking about it right now, it seems very bare bones, but it's just like something that no one does. It's really weird. Um, and I don't know how you guys are familiar with crypto payments, but everyone we're working with right now uses an Excel spreadsheet to track all of their monthly payments. They try to do use track their capital gains tax on that or like look back on the history. And I'm like, this is really bad. They have to like copy paste uh, transaction data from uh, eScan. Um, and they don't really have an easy way to integrate it back into their accounting software as well. So that's really the main goal of the baseline platform. And then all the tangential services we're going to be adding to it is going to be happening after that. So, yeah. so something that I think is really interesting here, and it's a topic that is kind of all around Twitter, is how do we get people to get onto crypto? And it seems like the answer is people need to earn crypto. And in areas where earning crypto is superior, for example, 
international payments or international uh, freelancers and stuff like that. Crypto is going to start becoming, and probably stable coins is going to start becoming the way that pretty much everyone does it. Because why would you not arbitrage the horrible banking practices if it's so easy to get an edge wallet, receive DAI, transfer the DAI into your bank account on one app? Like, come on. It's like, yes, that's that's the the end goal right there. Um, I mean, and hopefully it goes full circle. And again, like my thesis is that everything is good for Bitcoin. So hell yeah, that's good for Bitcoin. But in general, like it's I I see this area as prime and is one of the first use cases. I'm kind of curious what other stable coins like are you considering? Is it something where it doesn't matter what you want? Anyone can use an ERC 20. Like, how does that work? So initially, um, so the ERC 20, I'll answer that first. Uh, we're, we're sort of hesitant about just letting people add their ERC 20 um, because there's, a, there's not a lot of issues for us. It's just a lot of issues for like, we don't want people to use our platform to scam uh, people in the sense of using shitty tokens or something to pay people. Uh, so every ERC 20 token, we, uh, we have to actually ask them to ask us, they have to ask us to add their token to the platform. That was a really weird, weird way of saying that. They have to come to us if they want to add their token to the, to the platform. And uh, sorry about that. And then um, the first part of the question was, uh, what other stable coins are we looking at? So we're looking at all of them. Um, uh, we're actively pursuing the, the bank tokens uh, just because it's the easiest for some of the, the more traditional clients we're speaking to, to utilize, create a business account, be able to move the large sums of money they're gonna need to be able to move. Uh, more effectively, um, and that's one of the biggest issues with the space in general. Uh, outside of Bitcoin and Ether, uh, your onboarding ramps uh, become more difficult to do large volumes, and that is not like that's not new news or anything. But uh, it's been really fun learning more about some of the new projects that are trying to solve that problem um, in, in various ways that they're like, but, uh, like there's neutral project or neutral dollar, which is making new on onboarding ramps. There's another one just called on ramp or ramp that's, uh, creating it like decentralized onboarding services. Uh, just very, very interesting stuff to be able to hit the, the value you need for the, the stable coins. So just trying to find ones that have enough volume is the big thing. So you said that outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum liquidity is kind of tough. Is that even for like USDC? Like what is, is there actually a problem or it's not a problem. It's just you're only you're limited to one or two, maybe three different. Actually, really three different services to get a, a viable stable coin without already having crypto or Bitcoin or Ethereum or something else to buy it off of an exchange. So you have to go through Coinbase, Gemini, or Wire are like your three, the three biggest and like the three only ones you can use really to buy any stable coins in a, in a large scale. Um, you can do OTCs, but they're not really uh, optimized to, for B2B or like API calls and et cetera like that. Um, you can do, you can be the market maker, but that requires you to have a whole bunch of, uh, uh licenses and a lot, pretty large liquidity pool. Um, and we're trying to be anti licenses, uh, and anti third party. So, uh, it's a little, a little difficult for us there on that one. Um, so yeah, it just makes it really, really like you're limited in what you can do for sure. Why aren't you using JPM coin? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Where do you even buy JPM coin? I don't even know. Where I don't think that. you can. Okay, I think I was like, for the, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you told me, oh, I can go get it on uh, Coinbase today, uh, I'd be like, I'll check it out. 
Um, I I saw that publicity. I think it was a publicity stunt personally, but that's mm-hmm. that's okay. I do like the guys at Quorum. They're really really cool guys, yeah. really smart, uh, and have done a lot of stuff that no one really pays attention to. But it's doing really good. Um, but yeah, they're that's. If it if it works if it's if it's out there in the wild and I can get some and it's it stays one dollar close to a dollar, I'll be no, happy. I to think add it's it. kind of like XRP, like it it's not supposed to represent a dollar, right? I think it or is oh, it? I've I, I can't. I don't fucking know. Coin. It's not even worth talking about. I've honestly, I literally read that PR. There was like a a, a five hundred word PR thing, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Keep moving. Like I, I was, <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. This is noise. <laughs> yes. Yo. So. So, Chris, I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on the rest of the space. Like, right now, when you look at crypto, like, what are you thinking? I know that you are a Decred fan. We have another Decred no, fan one of here you guys. on the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not as hardcore as uh, Max uh, Bronstein. Uh, form of, who's is on Max podcast. hardcore now? Uh, Max is, um, I don't know. If, okay, Max I'm is not, just I, trying to be a mini Chris Berniski. Uh Max is hardcore. I, I don't, I can't, I don't, since he's not here, I, I can't ask if I could talk about some stuff, but he is uh, <laughs> very much so uh, about Decred. Let's, he's very much so about Decred. Um, I'm surprised he, he bit his tongue for the entire podcast we did with him and he didn't talk about it. Uh, didn't you do two podcasts with him? I could have sworn there was like a whole like moment about governance uh, and sound money with him on Decred, right? Yeah, I think we talked about Decred a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty sure. But yeah, he's... It was very minimal. It was what? It was minimal. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I'm not going to go any further than he is probably because he, he's much deeper than I am in it. But it's from a... like I like to do like projects on the side. It's a fun side project to play with Decred. It's... Uh, and sorry, Christian. It's everything I wish... It's a lot of things I wish Bitcoin had in place. Um, uh in the, the dev side of being able to do the governance on chain, being able to like actually really easily, more easily program the money to do things that you wanted to do in, in various ways. Um, it, the community is a lot nicer than Bitcoin's community as well. And it really like uh, the ability to stake, um, the, the staking mechanism, which is the governance is uh, simple enough, but complex enough that it's, you can't really, no one's been able to beat it, like to, to take it too much advantage of what's going on with it. So that's really cool to see that. All right. The real question, Bitcoin or Ethereum? Oh, you know, I, I Christian made, I, Christian already probably knows my, my thoughts on this. Uh, Bitcoin magazine, a lot of the people that work there uh, are Bitcoin maximalists and they have been blessed to make money off of Bitcoin. Uh, I am a, a guy who is like, Ethereum was my initial moment in the in the space. Uh, I didn't really. I bought. I think yeah. I bought Ethereum first, and uh, I love Ethereum. I love what you can do with it. It's way cooler. You get to. You can build on top of it. You can. Uh, pro. It taught me like how you can program money. It, it really brought me on the economic side of things. Uh, Bitcoin really didn't do that. It just kind of just kept doubling, and I didn't really understand why. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, so I'm a big, I'm a big Ethereum guy. Uh, I'm, the DeFi space has got me re- reinvigorated with um, crypto and Ethereum in general. Uh, and, and so yeah, I, I love my, my Ethereum. Uh, actually, I don't do I. I don't own any right now. Actually, I don't own really any, any anything though. Um, hmm. uh, I had to, you know, entrepreneurship lifestyle right here. You gotta, you gotta make sure you can pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. All right, so what excites you about DeFi? And do you see uh, Wisp being integrated into DeFi somehow in, in the future? And if you do, how? Um, so what excites me about DeFi? DeFi in general is 
accumulation of all the ideas that people have had, uh, in some cases for the past five or six or seven years, coming together and actually being able to uh, create, not, not just create value, but use money in a pro like the program programming the money to do things for you in the sense of being able to provide peer-to-peer -peer loans being able to uh, receive that uh interest on those loans immediately in real time like on compound um being able to do aggregate uh uh various like the debt positions with cdps is really really interesting uh it's a little bit difficult now to do it and have a a, a long position in, in a proper way if you don't have a lot of money because of the the uh, fee hikes um, but it's really cool to see how that's been interacting and all the complexities that have occurred because of that and all the ETH that's getting locked up because of it. Uh, and then uh, for us, oh, he's, I, I see it. I see if you, for the people at home, he is giving thumbs up to that moment right there. Um, I love locked ETH. <laughs> Lock that shit up. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, and then on Wist side, uh, we actually, our, our, we want to be part of the DeFi community. Uh, Concourse Q, who's part of the team that is is uh, helping us build the product, uh, is, uh, is they run DeFi Pulse. They used to run Settle.Finance. They're super into the DeFi community, um, and they're they're really really advocating for us to be as DeFi forward as possible and give as much ownership back to the people of their their funds and just really be a a, a infrastructure play uh, or a connecting of infrastructure play for all of the, the people in the space and bringing more people into the space. So really, really want to be a part of the DeFi community uh, as much as we can be. So, yes. So how was, I mean, Wisp is a pretty simple product. So I guess integration into DeFi is probably not all that complex. It's more just like give people the, the money that they need to interact with it. Um, but I know MakerDAO is doing uh, something with TradeShift where, um, and it's, I think it's targeted more towards China, but I could be wrong on that one, where um, uh, these companies will ship out their product and then they'll get a receipt and then like six months later, they'll get paid. Well, they're working on ways to like tokenize that receipt, right? And put that into um, a CDP so they can pull a loan out from uh, from their future payment, right? Because the, the token basically like guarantees future payment eventually. Uh, and so the the token itself is worth like some fraction of that payment, right? Minus execute uh, minus the the risk of uh, lack of payment. Uh, I would imagine that that Wisp could follow that same sort of model, right? Where where somebody can receive a, a promise of future payment when it's when it comes time for payday, and then put that into a CDP and, and pull out a loan in case they need like a quick payday loan. Have you thought about that? Yeah, yeah, we actually have. Um, that is. Uh, that is easy to implement, hard to um, understand your risk your risk profile. Um, uh, we were talking about reputation software before the podcast started, and or reputation within crypto in general before the podcast started, and that's an issue that many people are having. Um, if you have KYC, it's it's easier to track and be like, this person is going to probably pay back their loan that they're taking out. Uh, and with CDPs, uh, they've created a way that it's net overall. It's not okay, but it's not the worst thing if you don't pay back your loan. Um, it, it's just making sure that if we are going to be, if the CDB is the provider, how are we making a revenue off that? Or are we just going to be a facilitator of that? Um, but we definitely looked deeply into payday loans as an opportunity because if you are receiving your payroll and you're like, hey, I need something came up, I need an extra $1,000, and we know that you're going to get paid um, uh, at the end of the month and you've gotten paid $2,000 every month for the past six months, 
that's a moment where we can be like, yes, we can provide a payday loan for you and we can up, up uh, front the, the $1,000 via CDP loan or whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, um, as a very interesting use case. Uh, that's actually a very, like, in third world countries, that's a very big market. It's hard to access because um, uh, usually it's in places I don't speak their language, but uh, that's a big deal because they don't have access to capital, uh, a debt like debt like that, that we, like we do in the, the U.S., so. so here's a pretty interesting observation that I've been making, and I've kind of been tweeting about it a, l- a little bit. Um, I've noticed that a lot of people in the Bitcoin space are really focused on like changing how people think about money in terms of like talking about sound money, talking about like incentivizing people to save, like not taking on unnecessary debt, stuff like that, like long term thinking, um, stuff like that. What's your time preference is an idea. And then when you look at like what Ethereum is innovating on and people in Ethereum, it's like, how do we make everything that already exists right now, like trustless using triple entry accounting systems, um, which is a completely different perspective. And in my opinion, I think it's a medium to short term perspective personally. Like I really do think that the sound money thing is super compelling long term. But in general, like that's that's definitely a interesting uh, difference I've seen in kind of how people view these technologies. Do you have anything to say about that? So you did like four things there. So I'm trying to just process all of them. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I ask, start with, I ask complex questions. I'm sorry. And that, I mean, I was following you and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, triple accounting over back over sound money. Uh, <laughs> what, so what do you, what do you want to know? About specifically? Okay. So, so first and foremost, I, I kind of like, separated you know the two different ways that people think about bitcoin and or or like think about crypto right like ethereum okay uh people are thinking like how do we turn payday loans into something decentralized and more trustless right with and then the difference is bitcoin people are like how do we get people to start thinking differently about the world um start thinking about money differently so like i feel like personally what i was saying is i feel like one is more medium short-term Whereas one is like very long term thinking, which is personally I think is the Bitcoin um, thesis. But I'm I, curious I, what you think of that, like those two I differences actually, in that observation. I think Ethereum community, uh, and this is my this is my opinion. I think Ethereum community has started to come around, not to uh, the same ideology as the Bitcoin uh, sound money long term pl- uh, moment there, but they're realizing they can't decentralize everything. Like it's not effective to do everything decentralized. Um, at all. And so they're trying to figure out longer term plays where it's like, oh, this should be decentralized or be, be adapt uh, for X, Y, Z reasons. And you've seen, like, we all, everyone's seen the ICOs are over, great. Uh, DApps that were raising a lot of money after the ICOs are kind of over too. And it's really creating, like I, at the beginning, com- creating the community and like an actual network uh, of people that want to use your product is really big. Um, so when you're saying like the short term, moment for Ethereum and how they think about money and like use uh, decentralized payday loans as an example. I don't think that's a short-term play. I think that it has, it, it will be iterations uh, on it. Cause that's like a, that's a big market. Like that's a big market moment from a uh, making money perspective and from an inefficiency perspective. And I think that's what everyone's trying to find out right now is what are inefficient markets uh, outside of crypto that we can bring into crypto um, in some capacity. And right now, uh, Ethereum is the best or has the most developers and most likely is the best one because it's just the knowledge that everyone has about it. I do think that uh, there will be s- not an Ethereum killer, but a, a competitor 
uh, to it in the near future. Um, maybe not the developer, not the developers. I think they'll always win that out, but just the ability to make cool shit um, happen in these inefficient markets. So. I just had this random thought in my, come into my brain that the uh, the one person in the BTC Inc. Uh, organization that wasn't a Bitcoin maximalist leaves and goes and builds something on Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we've had a uh, – has anyone else – no one else is – no, okay, so – In Max. Max. Max is uh, – Also left. Also left. Also on Ethereum. Um, if you go back, a uh, little history moment here. We, we uh, made the poet uh, PO.ETICO back in the day. Those, the team that built that. Uh, that's on Ethereum, also, or sort of on Ethereum, sort of. But uh, the team that built that left and went and built Decentraland, um, which is 100% Ethereum. And then um, uh, who else has left? Someone else uh, left. He did not need trading, so never mind. That, those, there's three people that have left and gone and did do Ethereum-based things. We're, we're not too crazy. We're not too crazy. What other Ethereum projects uh, are you interested in? Um, I'm really interested to see how all the... So like I'm paying a lot of attention to the Dai and other stablecoin um, projects right now. Uh, Instadap. Stablecoin wars. Yeah, it's like stablecoin wars uh, continued. Everyone thought it was over. I was like, it's it's just beginning. Like there's so much power to be unlocked in stablecoins um, and ability to bring more people into the ecosystem because of it. Uh, but yeah, like Instadap's really cool, and the, they're trying to make a decentralized bank. Uh, uh, Blockboard, Azerion, all very interesting projects. Um, also. Uh, very interested in how we're doing our, our uh, take on like decentralized payroll essentially, uh, which is kind of cool. And then um, DieCard we talked about before and DieCard and XDie are probably the most interesting to me um, because it's an attempt to make Venmo. I don't know, actually, let me, let me, I can probably look it up while we're on the, on the call here, how much, um, how much die is locked up in the x die contract but i, I mean i think they're mm. over 10 or fifteen thousand now at least ten thousand. i think they're at 15 or so now uh, is it trending upwards yeah it's, i mean it's been trending upwards uh it's nice to have DeFi pulse being at the, your back end to be like hey what's trending right now and uh it's been trending upwards uh for the past like probably month nice. yeah nice yeah. which i was worried that the burner wallet was kind of going to be a one-off for ETH global events, but if it's going to be here to stay for the long term, let's add that shit to uh, the lockup metrics for sure. Yeah, I I would. Die, locked up die is locked up ETH. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the another thing though is I would. I mean, it's locked up ETH, locked up die, but I would rather know the transaction volume because I mean I know for myself, uh, it, I went to ETH Denver. Um, I got my Buffa coins at ETH Denver, and um, I didn't use all of them, and I can't. You take them out now, so they're just locked in the XDI contract. Uh, but you, why like, can't you take them out? So, you, uh, if at ETH Denver, if you got buff coins, you could change them to you can't change them to XDI, uh, or at least I don't think you can anymore. I tried, yeah, you can. I tried the other day and it didn't let me. I said I wasn't uh, a, a vendor, I, I'll try again later, but either way, Buffercorn, that might have been a centralized network for that reason, right? They might, yeah, okay, yeah. Either way, the, the point is there was 16 or like that's 10, 10 to $16 to still on my phone right now that uh, will be in the contract for forever now because I'm, mm. I'm never going to bring it out. And that's – I would want to see how many transactions are happening rather than just the locked amount because there's moments like where I'm just it's – dead, it's dead now. That's, it's burned uh, die now, which is good for, good for the network but just not as interesting to me. So. <laughs> so I personally really like the idea of the X die plus burner wallet. And then I don't know that much about die card, but you know, turning that into sort of like a Venmo based app payment system, like 
all of that makes a ton of sense. And using DAI or even using some random altcoin in order to facilitate that if you have money in the bank or, you know, Ether on reserve or whatever you want to do. Like, I think a lot of those services make a ton of sense with this kind of like blockchain, triple entry accounting system um, technology. But like, at one point, is that like not good enough to just use, you know, to use in a long-term way, right? Like, I think on Twitter, we were talking about, you know, David was saying that Bitcoin is not being attacked. And a lot of times people are like, we always have to make sure that we can withstand the craziest attacks. Like, where, like, what are you guys thinking about when in terms of like, okay, XDAI is running on five nodes. Like, it's clearly centralized. It works awesome. Like, it clearly works. But at what point is it like, can you not depend on that anymore? Does it even matter to you? Um, I think uh, the XDAI moment is, I mean, like it's, it's a hype moment right now. Um, there's a lot of uh, publicity on it and it's really, really cool and good. Like you're saying it works. Uh, someone asked me today why we're not using XDAI on WISP. And uh, the biggest issue is the hassle of getting into the system uh, for XDAI right now. And, and I, I think, did you ask in the question, did you ask um, why it won't be long-term sustainable? Um, or Like, what are you worried about? He thinks about? that's like, why it won't be long-term well, sustainable. I think it's, I think it's, it's not it's something that you can depend on right now. Like, like where do you see the value in it? And, like, it just, no. are you concerned about What do you mean that? by depend? I mean, I, I can depend on if I get into the, to the XDI network, I'm it, my money will be to you in, like, like, a Venmo payment just like any, mm-hmm. anybody else. I don't know what you, like, what do you mean not dependable? Like, that's what I'm... Yeah, so Christian, like the the burner wallet is not supposed to be a store of value, right? And so it's just supposed to be like weekend spending money. So that's kind of why I thought it was weird that the total amount of XDAI is trending upwards in the in the network. Uh, because if I was about to go to another ETH Global event where they don't give me forty dollars, so please please do continue to give me forty dollars <laughs> for food. But if you don't, I'll have to get my own DAI, send it to the burner wallet, you know, get my weekend uh, food truck money. And then spend it all, and then I then I lose all my risk. And so, because you're right, like the X die is like five or six nodes or whatever, uh, the incentive to go back to the main chain is is decently strong. But it's not actually working because the die is growing, right? It's getting locked up. Does that just mean more people are doing that, or do you think that people are actually stashing it? I, are they confused? No, I I just think that people think that it's an acceptable amount of risk. I agree. And if they're wrong, then they get burned. And so, like, you can all always feel free to remove that risk yourself personally by going back to the Ethereum main chain. I agree for most of what I get. Yeah, I agree essentially what you're saying, David. Um, I think there's a lot of people like me that just happen to ha- like you. I can I I think someone sent me ten dollars on a, just XDI normal, uh, normal XDI um, uh, burner wallet, and I kept that that tab open on my phone for a month and then something happened where I needed to send someone $5 and I was a crypto person and I just sent it to that person via that moment. I took on the risk of like that money may not be there when I come back and I didn't offboard it onto like the main chain. And I think a lot of people are doing that or, uh, and I know a couple people that are putting money into XDAI and keeping it pretty like not secure, but they're aware of their wallet and uh, the ability to use it because it's so, it's so easy to onboard people into the system with that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be interested in like a metric, like how many hundred dollar wallets there are. Oh, that'd be that. That is pretty easily searchable. Yeah, I think. we we can we can answer that question after the podcast. Yeah, it's not too hard. Yeah. I do have nine hundred dollars worth of NFTs on my burner wallet, so I should probably get those off. <laughs> <of there. laughs> is that from Eve Denver? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, they're, they're not really worth that much, but that's how much I paid for them. <laughs> Those $900 are going to Gitcoin grants over a year. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's really, like, Gitcoin is doing a really good job with the funding. Um, mm-hmm. I need to read more about Molech DAO. I just read, like, the first paragraph and it, of their, their white paper, which was hilarious. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's got a means written all over yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's really cool seeing all the new uh, funding mechanisms that are, like, allowing uh, ETH Foundation uh, and uh, slash the Ethereum Grants found. Ethereum grants, uh, is it a foundation or whatever, um, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to like lessen their burden for, to grow the space. It's very, very Absolutely. good. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Do you have opinions on Ethereum funding? Because I could totally go into that topic. I don't have enough. I don't have as many as you do for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I have seen, uh, I know a couple of the people that do some of the grant, like actually have been on the, the grant boards, um, of like where money is going. And it's interesting hearing their thoughts about what is good and what is bad for the, the space uh, slash what is granted and what is not granted. Um, and, and that is more where I find like, it's hard to, to say that these people are the truth for what mm-hmm. is happening in Ethereum. That's what I'm more looking at. Not the amount, I think there's a lot of big argument about the amount of money that's been given out. I don't care as much about that. I care more about the, the opinions of the people that are leading the, the flock that is the Ethereum right. community right now. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what are your opinions, yeah, though? We don't what? have to get into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can get into it if you want to. We can, we can outvote Christian, who's shaking his head here. I, I, give, me, give me the, the uh, explain like I'm five, uh, uh, David Hoffman uh, uh, opinion yeah. on it. Yeah, give me that. Yes, well, so the, a, a number of conversations have come up about uh, on-chain inflation, uh, you know, uh, block reward inflation going to some organization that can hand out those funds for development, uh, which is a great way to pay developers because it's automatic. You know, this is the decred model, right? Where 10% goes to this treasury and, and it's also the dash model and it's worked for them. Um, I don't, I'm worried about it being in the blockchain forever. That's a bad thing. I want it to not be in the blockchain forever, uh, especially if Ether gets as valuable as I hope it does. Uh, that 10% should, should have been lowered. Uh, and, and then there's also like the second, third, fourth order consequences of what happens when you trust this uh, centralized entity. However, like maybe it's as centralized as Ethereum 2 development is, which is relatively decentralized, but, but it probably needs to be more centralized than that because it needs to quickly and, and you need to make choices effectively and divvy out these grants, you know, with, with some purpose, right? And so it's got to be somewhat centralized. And then it just turns into this, like, uh, this Bill Gates Foundation that pulls 10% of the, of the Ethereum value out of every single block. And the it just gets weird game theoretic issues where, like, the incentive to, you know, just up your own salary in that organization gets all weird uh, and, and high, mainly. And, like, you can that organization gets bloated. And, yeah, I think there's a bunch of bad second-order consequences for it. Like, if we were to do this, I would like it to be have some sort of Ice Age mechanism. Uh, and so if we, for those that don't know, the Ice Age mechanism is uh, the gradual slowing down of the chain uh, to uh, incentivize the transition to proof-of-stake. And Ethereum's, like, uh, forked away from the Ice Age, like, a couple times. We, like, with Constantinople, we did it. Uh, and with a fork before we did it. Um, but it's basically, it's always there, right? Like the Ice Age is always present and it's, it's so that we don't ever, 
we can't just stop and do nothing, right? We have to transition to proof of stake at some point in time. And so like you can put that same sort of uh, concept for the on-chain uh, funding, right? Where like, okay, we'll give you 10% of block reward for the next three years and then it will just slowly die off over the next year. That that would be a compelling scenario. Uh, Christian, go ahead uh, with your hand raised there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, in this case, like, I just don't understand how if you think it's a bad thing long term, like, there's really nothing stopping the people getting funding from organizing a fork to extend their funding, right? So, I don't even see that as like an option. But if I'm gonna give my two sats, like, I don't, I don't think that funding is necessary at all. Like, if this is good software, people will fucking build on it and people will spend money to maintain it. If it is not, then you are just wasting your time going, like, fighting an uphill battle, in my opinion. Maybe I'm ignorant. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree with that. And that's why, that's why I want to make sure that, like, Moloch and Gitcoin Grants and the Ethereum Foundation, you know, use all their resources before we resort to on-chain funding i think on-chain funding is like the the strategy of last resort and gitcoin grants is pouring out like 20k a month 50k a month something something like that to to different teams and moloch dow's up to like almost three hundred thousand dollars, and the ethereum foundation has like 80 million so like this is not people say ethereum has a has a funding issue i think it's more of just a funding coordination issue like we were talking about earlier like we don't really know where to send the money um and it doesn't have a funding problem i could be wrong on that more people people like eric connor and anthony uh zazzle would have better opinions of it if than you me. need funding you have a problem uh i disagree with that you do need I, funding uh, christian bitcoin doesn't have I mean, any funding. I have plenty of funding this is like a bigger squares bigger funding argument. like for developers but no but like christian say, stop for a second like the, there's a bigger bigger moment for like bitcoin of like uh the initial days was all it was we'll say self-funded yes but it was all people that had essentially relatively good jobs or were compensated in some way for the work they did at that time. So like, and there's only like seven of them. Yeah, and like they built out this great moment, and that's like we're trying to make that happen in Ethereum in some capacity. And we, I mean, I think they've done a really good job, Bitcoin and Ethereum, in building it out to be thousands upon almost probably millions of people in the space. But they were getting compensated at the time. They they made the the Bitcoin uh, Foundation. It doesn't really do anything anymore, but whatever. Um, so that's the same concept happening, just a, again and, in a different and- space. Christian's probably saying no to funding because Bitcoin's in the lead. But like when when there's a bunch of smart contracting platforms out there that all have to compete with each other. And then also Ethereum is going to be one day competing with Bitcoin for the sound money role of the Internet. Uh, it's better to have uh, to help bootstrap that effort. And because funding is just steroids for your blockchain. Right. It's just like. it's just like inflation in the economy. Like it's putting money from this centralized entity and giving it to people. It's not necessarily efficient. Like sometimes that money is going to be wasted because that's what, that's what philanthropy and funding is. But it's worked for China and their economy when China decided it wanted to be an entrepreneurship company and just throw thousands and thousands of dollars at every single company. Super inefficient, but they became like the tech entrepreneurship capital of the whole entire world. Like they're passing Silicon Valley now. And so like it doesn't have to be efficient. It just has to be effective. Yeah. I have a, another question that you were talking about before. Why do you think uh, – I, I think Ethereum will go not down in value but will not be hyper uh, – a very – high price based on us dollars uh why do you think it's going to go all the way up like what, what makes you think that 
What do you? What do you? What kind of price do you think it would be? I mean, I, it probably best case it gets back up to like a thousand and that's like uh, it's high. some change. Yeah, it's like it's that's like it's high and it's like fluctuating between a thousand and fifteen hundred or something like that. That's I'm just throwing out an arbitrary yeah. number, but like, yeah. That is kind of a worry of mine because I want everybody to get into crypto before that happens because I don't want you know I don't want uh, one ether to be worth like fifteen thousand dollars and then. Every, I mean, I do want that, but, but, uh, <laughs> but then like if you're getting into crypto for the first time and it's like 20, 27 or 2030 and like you buy $20 worth of ether and it's 0. 0.0001, like I, I kind of feel bad because it's just not, not very equitable. I can't remember who said this. I heard this forever ago, but, uh, when it comes to designing a brand new blockchain and starting it from scratch and, and getting it bootstrapped, it's people aren't going to accept a blockchain like EOS where, the centralized control of the over the funds started in such a centralized manner where it's not equitable. Like we can't we can't start a new blockchain and have like three oligarchs that have like seventy percent of the funds. Like it has to be fair. Uh, there's not going to be a good way to make it fair, but there are definitely ways to make it not bad. Uh, I think I think Ethereum's not bad, uh, and that's kind of why I like proof of stake, right? Is because everyone can stake their their ether. Um, kind of to answer to answer your question though about like. Do I think Ethereum will get really, really valuable? Uh, I, I can make a case for it. And the case is just that Ethereum operates as a DAO, right? And so everybody that's building on top of Ethereum is, is adding utility to Ether. And it's also creating an internal economy for Ether. And so I kind of see like Ether as like the platform for like, have you, do you, have you watched Ready Player One or read that book? Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, so like there's this massive, massive, super high value economy that's in virtual reality. It's just like on this network of computers that's on the world. And the economy just is is almost as valuable as the outside economy. And so that's because of where everyone goes. And I see Ethereum as the, the platform for that. And so like Augur is this micro economy and you know realty the real estate platform will it will be some micro economy and there's going to be just pockets of micro economies that show up and there's going to be in order to fuel all those economies you need the gas to run run the the computations and the value transfers and so like going back to the dow uh uh metaphor if there are like ten thousand tiny little businesses or big businesses uh, building on Ethereum, like, well, they need value to be inside of those businesses. And so some, most of that value won't ever leave. And so this is, this is why we're measuring locked ETH with, with such a high, uh, amount of attention is because, you know, 2% of, of ETH and MakerDAO is massive. And like, it doesn't take very many MakerDAO level economies for us to get to like 30% locked ETH. And then when the other 30% of locked ETH is also staking, well, like then you just need, uh, you know, a peppering of a thousand more little economies to get all the way to like 99% locked ETH. And then and then we have super valuable ETH. <laughs> that that was a very slippery slope at the end there. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I personally do want ETH to, to do well. I just think that the biggest issue is the fact that there's all these microcosms being built on top of um, the Ethereum uh, network makes it is incentivizing, eventually going to incentivize miners or validators to... Um, be able to accept die or uh, various tokens that occur, which will innately 
pushed the gas, the ETH will not be required to be your payment of, of uh, at that moment there for gas. Go ahead. Yeah, so Eric Connor just released an EIP that removes, this is called economic extraction, oh, yeah. right? He introduced that yep. EIP where a very, very small amount of ETH actually needs to get burned. Uh, and then there is a variable cost on top of that that goes to the miner slash staker. And it, it, the way it's set up enables you to actually understand like the the momentary demand for gas at that at that at that very moment so like you don't ever overpay for gas and it removes economic abstraction i haven't i haven't read the eip i i I have it in my pocket and i gotta go through it maybe i'll do that after this um but that locks in ether as the only possible currency to be to be used and i don't even believe that economic abstraction would ever happen i don't think like die would ever take over ether simply because it's complicated as fuck to do that like it takes like seven extra steps and like pre-coordination to pay a staker slash miner in some value and so like i think i think that even that small amount of friction is enough to keep ether as the main valuable currency regardless of whether economic abstraction is possible or not I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I, I, w- I want to read that also now. Um, it, it's on my list of things to read as well. But I'm, I'm a simple guy uh, when it comes to these big problems. And the biggest, the, the easiest solution I've actually seen is just making uh, contract space rentable. Like it's required to be rented and you have to burn, you have to use ETH to pay for it. And you can, I don't know if economically it's better to burn it or just have it go back out. Uh, probably uh, for financial gains, it's probably better to burn it. For reality, it's probably not. Um, but that right there is the way I think it's going to happen if they're going to ETH is going to stick around. I don't know. I haven't read what uh, he, he said yet in his EIP, but it'd be interesting. Very interesting. Well, maybe we'll have him on to talk about it. I think we will. That'd be dope. That'd be dope. Yeah. You guys have had some really good. Uh, uh, me, and, uh, me and Eric Connor. Jeez. Yeah. I think that would get spicy. <laughs> oh, it definitely I, I, would. It would be true to POP yeah. crypto. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are doing a good job getting a lot of different um, uh, guests on here for sure. Yeah. Doing a really good job. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Thank you, guests. Yeah, thank you, guests. <laughs> You're way smarter. Thank you, than Chris. Us. <laughs> I'm on that guest list now. Yeah, I'm yes, gonna you are. This forever and ever now. Yeah, I'll take a picture of it tomorrow. It'll be great. Actually, what is this? Uh, we're getting off topic now. My bad. Um, oh, we're into it for an hour. Wow. Hour. Wow. Yeah, it's in, like in the future. 20, yeah. In the future, but uh, probably in a week. But uh, we oh, should cool. actually wrap it up. Okay. This is a good okay. conversation. Yeah, let's, cool. let's yeah. stop while we're ahead. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, yeah. You made me, you made me think about some stuff, too. Anyways, continue on. Uh, wrap it up, wrap it up, yeah. All right, Chris, POV, thanks baby. for coming on the podcast. It. If people want to find out more about Wisp or you or any of your past activities, what should they do? Uh, uh, so you should go uh, check out demo.wisp.money, and I'll spell it out for you. Demo, you guys can spell that out. And Wisp is W-H-I-S-P.money. We're on Wait, Twitter. wait, sorry. Uh, Why is it called Wisp? Oh yeah, I've never answered that. It's called Wisp because uh, it is allowing. It's, Wisp is a flock of birds, and you can it moves in a really flowy, majestic way. Oh yeah, those things. And yeah, yeah, it's like you, you really could cool. go Google it. It's really, really cool to look at, and it's also if you love World of Warcraft, there's Wisp in World of Warcraft. Yeah. There's these blue magical floating things that move around and freely as yeah, well. Right. Um, and so we're just uh, the, essentially the idea is we're helping people move their money more freely. So big fan. I love that wist dot money. It just sounds cool. Dot money. Hopefully it becomes Google. Dot money. Yeah, dot money. That's a really cool, uh, I don't even know what to call it. What, what do you call the letters after the dot? Uh, the, uh, the, it's the domain name. Domain name. Domain, domain name. yeah. Really cool domain. domain. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It was a, it was a hard, hard moment there. 
Also, it was the cheapest one, so it, it worked out. Right, I cut you <laughs> off though. You were gonna plug. Did you plug yourself on Twitter? Uh, I'm. I don't. What is my? I don't do Twitter. Oh. Uh, but you, if you really find me, I think it's uh. Oh, call me Ely. So it's just call me Ely. Ely's my last name, E L E Y. I don't have like this great, great moment. I'm a big Instagrammer. Uh, so you can find me at Chris Ely on Instagram and you'll see a whole bunch of food and, and crypto things. Uh, Maybe yeah, you and I can help grow the uh, crypto Instagram ecosystem. It's pretty lacking. It's getting better. Is it's it? getting better. There's a lot of traders that do it. They love putting yeah, their charts on there. True. But uh, Dude, Chris, uh, get on Twitter, bro. I'm on it. I just, I kind of just lurk. I just lurk a little That's on Twitter. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'll find I'm, your I'm, voice. I'm growing. My uh, my business partner uh, Scott, he actually he definitely went home. Um, but he is a big Twitter guy. Uh, so you can find him at Scott at Concourse Q. Let me see. Let me see what Scott's Twitter is. Often. That's that's the person. If you really have questions on Twitter and you want to you want to talk to somebody, that's the guy you talk to uh, about his opinions. Right. Oh, there it is, right here, Scott Lewis. Uh, Scott Lewis, all just Scott underscore Lewis, and that's that's the boy. That, that's the guy. All right, send your questions to Scott. He won't know. He won't see him coming. He won't see him coming, and then he'll send them to me, and then I'll answer him uh, via my Twitter. Look at that. Growing the Twitter following. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hacking it. <laughs> cool, man. All right, y'all. As always, you can find the show at POV CryptoPod. You can find me on Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. You can find me at Trustless State, and you can rate and review the podcast. We really need those, guys. We really need those. <laughs> if you could please rate and review the podcast, we would appreciate it. I don't know how to keep on asking in a new way, shape, or form every single time. I'll, I'll try and make it more creative next time. I want um, I want a reward real quick because I've gotten two people that are not me to review and rate. The have podcast. you? Yes. Yeah. We've gotten three reviews out of you. Yes, I think the, oh, at, yeah, two, yeah, at least two for sure. I, I, one, I'm not sure if he did it, but two for sure. You've got. Two. All yeah. right, we're sending you some <laughs> money. No, no. Or Bitcoin, no, whatever you want. Use use uh, Wisp money. Just go play with it. Uh, I'll send okay. you the link. Oh, that, that's that. That's more than enough right there. Send Christian. We'll re, we'll do some retweets for Wisp money. There you go. We're we're, we're publicly launching uh, next week. We've done some payroll already now, so it's pretty pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Chris. This is great. Thanks, guys.